3-0. Taking stock continues. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Catherine Cowdery. The stock market is rebounding from a two-day sell-off sparked by the British vote to leave the European Union. There's optimism that policymakers are committed to limit the fallout from the U.K.'s exit. European Central Bank President Mario Draghi said there is a common responsibility to address the world's economic weaknesses. Both the Bank of England and European Central Bank have pledged to increase liquidity. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg Radio. Dow Industrial Average is up 187 points, a gain of 1.1 percent, trading at 17,326. S&P 500 up 26 points, 1.3 percent to 2,026. NASDAQ higher by 80 points, 1 and 3 quarters percent, trading at 46.74. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil up $1.51 a barrel, 3.3 percent to 47.85. Spot Gold down $8 an ounce to 13.16.70. Ten your treasury down 630 seconds with a yield of 1.45%. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. There's one big question for investors uh, starting around late Thursday night if you're in the U.S. and uh, early in the morning if you're going into Asian trading, certainly since Friday when we learned, when we realized that, yes, the vote to leave the United Kingdom, the Brexit vote won, and we had two days of major declines in stock markets around the world. The pound, another huge leg in the bond market rally. Joining us now to put it all together and not just look at Brexit, but about the presidential election, about the at the Federal Reserve, and, and just then what it all means for where you put your money at a time like this or where you keep it. Ken Fisher, founder, executive chairman, and co-chief investment officer at Fisher Investments with nearly $65 billion assets under management, usually in, in sunny, beautiful Woodside, California, but joining us in our New York studio today. Well, you know, I'm not in Woodside, California anymore. That's right. You're in Southern California. No, 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 no. We used to be in Woodside. And in fact, we still have 500 employees there. But over half of our employees are in sunny Camas, Washington, just over the border from the Portland, Oregon Do you know that I grew up in Olympia, Washington? I did not know Uh, that. Well, yes, I know Camas very well. Uh, Literally, we have a 1,000 people. We're the biggest private sector employer in the town of Camas. You're a lucky employee. I mean, we we could go on and on about this. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Washington State. At any rate, Ken Fisher, just showing one more reason why he's such a smart guy. I did not know you were a Washingtonian. (laughs) I am. Born and raised. Yeah, Puget Sound, southernmost tip. Proud of it. Uh, It's the water that makes Olympia beer, Uh, by the way. I, I know Thurston County well. Well, it's the state capital. We're going to do another segment one of these days on Thurston County and, and what it is now and what it was with Ken Fisher. But today we've got to get to Brexit, another part of the world, Ken, because what's your immediate reaction? Uh, what I've been saying all year long, which the last few days seems to defy, but I don't think it truly does, is that this is a year that started with huge uncertainty about so many topics. And by the time we get to the end of the year, will have become a year of irregularly falling uncertainty. And I think this fits into that pattern in that right now there's a lot of volatility about it. And by the time we get to the end of the year, it'll mostly be old news. I think there's some things we can say about it that aren't widely said, although there's been much said about it, obviously, in the last few days from a lot of different angles. And I don't want to be redundant about any of those things. But one of the points is to think about it a little bit from the way which I don't think people do that either Bernie Sanders or Don Trump might think about it and uh, not so much the way Ms. Clinton might think about it. 
Not that I'm saying good or bad about any of those three people. But first of all, can I just stop you for a second? Sure. You're regularly falling uncertainty. So you, it seems to be you're saying that over the next six months, we're going to have headline risk. Headlines are going to hit the stock market, the bond market. We're going to see that. But basically, if you look at the trend line from It'll June to December, we're going to, that will resolve itself. We know what happens. Including the presidential election. I guess that's true, isn't it? Uh, the Spanish elections, including so many things over the course of the year. We've had some falling uncertainty already. So you, if you think of the beginning of the year, there was all of the concern about China melting down. China hasn't melted down. There was a concern that we would have a recession in America, GDP stronger than people thought. It's not robust, but it's stronger than people thought. We didn't have the recession. We didn't have the meltdown. We had uh, a huge number, the biggest field ever, of Republican candidates running for president. There's now a presumptive nominee. There's a little bit of wiggle about what's going to happen with the convention and a vice presidential pick. There's the same kind of stuff on the Democratic side with Mr. Sanders wiggling around. That'll all go away. Then you'll have a campaign. We'll get a winner. We'll like the winner better than we like that candidate now, even though we may not like that candidate all that much. More than now, we always get a winner. The uncertainty will fade all year long. Markets should like that in the second half of the year. And second half of election years in America usually are strong compared to overseas markets because the falling uncertainty in America is bigger during that second half than uncertainty overseas. It it it, sh- it should work that way. Okay, so let me ask you some of these things specifically, a little bit of a boom, 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 go down the list. Okay, at the end of the year, what will what will be the permanent impact of Brexit, if anyway? Right now there's a concern about Italian banks. There's a concern about just what this means for the EU more broadly. At the end of the year, are we going to see – there won't be a financial crisis. Again, the, the, there'll be the, the new prime minister in the UK. They'll be negotiating the exit and markets will have their focus off of it. And the big force that people don't talk about now is what I was starting to allude to before, which is the way Sanders or Trump might think about this, which is that before you get to the end of the negotiations on Brexit on both sides of the channel, the Big fish, private sector, corporate, global interests that have huge stakes will have lobbied so hard to the politicians on both sides that most of the worst of things will have gotten mitigated to their best interests. And we'll end up seeing something that may have, and this is the biggest risk of Brexit, in my opinion, in terms of economic policy. There's another risk as well that Steve Forbes articulates well. But in, 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 in economic policy, the biggest risk is unintended consequences in the negotiation. Some big things, well intended, architected by bureaucrats, perhaps morphed a little bit by some private sector interests and lobbying, and that generates something untoward, a little bit like the negative impacts in 2007 through 9 of FAS 157 and ISB 157. A quick summation of what each presidential candidate would mean for the capital markets. Uh, Let me just make this simple, and then we can get to complicated. As a general rule in American history that people don't fully appreciate, and this goes back a long ways, it goes back to the beginning of the S&P 500, in a year where we elect a Republican, the year is much stronger than a year where we elect the Democrat, and then that flips for both of them in the inaugural year. Democrat inaugural initial inaugural years are much stronger than Republican initial inaugural years. The election year is the reverse. So if we elect Mr. Trump, despite all of the things people have as concerns about him, 
we should assume that markets are more benign this year and you pay for that next year. On the other hand, despite all the things you might say about Ms. Clinton, if we elect her, we should have a less robust year this year and then next year we get the benefit of not having gotten too ebullient in the back half of 2016. Having not been ebullient for a long time, people don't get this, but we're actually ripe for a little bit of ebullience for a while. So for investors then, what is the takeaway from this? Um, My view would be if you look at a lot of the stocks that you might have thought to own before any of this happened in America – that have gotten whacked the most, that's a perfect buying opportunity. Big, strong, or whatever else it is that you particularly liked, overweight U.S., in my mind, but many may disagree, overweight big pharma that has building proprietary pipeline, like Roche, stable mature but still growing tech that is not I'm not talking about exciting tech you're talking like a Microsoft tech uh, Oracle Oracle uh, of course has, hasn't hasn't done well lately normally these kinds of stocks in the latter stages of bull markets run in spurts and both of those had spurts have backed off uh, likely in the back half of the year in a year where US does better than foreign you get another spurt and they're the kind of thing somebody would normally buy for the last third of a bull market. And this is a long, begrudging bull market. This bull market's been going on and won't quite die, mm-hmm. but it doesn't get to that rip-roaring, ebullient stage. And I'm not suggesting necessarily that we're about to have that. That's not where I'm going. My point is that normally in the latter part of bull markets, companies just like that end up doing well in the stock market in spurts. Okay, this is quick. I'm going to ask you two questions. you got 30 seconds to answer, so 15 seconds for the first one. Buy energy stocks? Sell energy stocks? Um, I prefer materials non-energy to energy. Okay. They capture the same effect, but they're not perceived to. All right. How about banks mightily beaten up the last few days? Again, you have to separate big from small, but if you're talking about big, which is where most of the beat-ups been, I think the answer is yes, and particularly U.S. I guess I can get one more. Consumer discretionary retail. Some people like it now. Uh, again, I'd be focused on making sure you're not going to get caught by the electronic effect. Oh, Amazon. Uh, it's the elephant in the room. The very big elephant in the room, yes. And you can get free shipping and everything. So uh, that elephant is really very enticing to so many people. Ken Fisher sticking around, founder, executive chairman, and co-chief investment officer at Fisher Investments. Our stocks editor Dave Wilson is coming back. Carl Riccadonna. From Bloomberg Intelligence on the eco side, and we're all going to mix it up coming up on Bloomberg Radio.